because God promised, and he said that he had hid it from the eyes of the wise and prudent and would reveal it to babes such as would learn. You know that scripture, don't you? And so, we, we, if you want, it doesn't take a great a degree in theology. It doesn't take some a BA or a DD. The only thing it takes is a humble heart surrendered to him. And that's what does it. Um, some of you might know my good friend. The man that wrote my favorite song uh, of him. Who's clever? William Booth Clever. A uh, wonderful principal among ministers. One of the best scholars I believe I ever met in my life in a real Christian gentleman. About five weeks ago, we were together just before going into Mexico. And if anyone knows Brother Cliburn, he, know, he knows what a diplomat and how just precise he is with his grammar. And he can preach in seven different languages. And old General Booth of the Salvation Army, that was, I believe, was his father, I believe it was, or some close relative to him. That's why he was named Booth. And he's an Englishman. And we were riding around together, he and I, and Mr. Moore, one of the managers, and he was telling me about certain Greek words and certain things and all, how he can tear it down. He could just preach in Greek or preach in Hebrew or anything he takes notion to. So he said, uh, he said, Brother Brandon, don't that Greek word no means this? I said, no, Brother Booth, don't go to speaking in unknown tongues to me because I can't interpret it. And he said, uh, he said, well, he said, you know, the reason you, that's what he said, you don't know your Bible. So that's all. But if you can't speak Greek, you don't know the Bible. I said, Brother Booth, that might be wrong. I might not know the book, but I know the author real well. Right? That's, that's, that's the main thing. If you know the author, he'll take care of the book part for you. And so that's the way we love him tonight, and it brings it down to as simple a person as I has the right to be saved. And no matter how much education, you might not be able to write your own name. Did you know St. Peter the Apostle could not write his own name? You know the Bible said he was ignorant and unlearned? Did you know that? Peter, the one who had the keys to the kingdom, he, they we're told, as historically, and I don't know it, I'd be mythical, that he wouldn't even know his own name of his role before him. But the Bible declares that he was ignorant and unlearned. But they had to take heed to him because they knew he had been with Jesus. That's the main thing. That's the mark. Get the mark of be with Jesus. It doesn't take smart people. It takes surrendered hearts to know the Lord Jesus. Now, tonight, here in the church, I have just learned just today sometime by some of the brethren that's with me, that brother here has just they opened up this revival center. And um, I didn't even know Brother Jeffries. I met him my first time. I'm not saying that name right. Is it, is it Jefferson? Yeah. Jefferson. I, I didn't even know him. And uh, until I met him on the platform the other night, finding him to be a real fine brother. And I'm trusting that God will bless this old theater where it used to be the devil's church, and now it's turned into God's church. You know? Say, if that theater man here, he'll probably want to pull me for that. Well, listen, I come now for healing service. But one of the greatest, just graces, that even from the files of the FBI, it can prove that America started her decline by the movie pictures. Exactly right. Not being censored in all this year, stuff they put out before young girls and things like that. Now, the devil put it in every home through television. Now, I, the television's a fine thing if it's used right. 
So what if the picture is a fine thing if it's used right? But uncensored programs and things like that, it's, it's disgraceful to the way it is. It, it absolutely puts the wrong thing before the American people. And that's where, of course, we realize now that we're on the decline. And as far as I can see the historical ahead of us, we're continually going on. So every great nation has to fall. I stood by the, on the Egyptian ground where the Pharaohs once ruled. We'd have to dig 20, 30 feet to find some of the ruins of some of the greatest uh, um, kingdoms of the world. I stood in Rome where the great Caesars stood, and they all fell. And I uh, stood in and London where the great men in different places around the world, and their kingdoms fall. And remember that every kingdom of this world has to give away, all mortal has to give away to immortality. I stood by a tree when I was a little boy, a great maple in our country. What a great tree it was. I thought that tree would always be there. And that's been about 35 years ago, and today it's a snag. Just goes to show that here we have no continuing city, but we're seeking one that'll come. Our great nation will fall someday and crumble just exactly like all other nations because the kingdom of God shall come someday. Jesus shall set up a kingdom here that will be an everlasting kingdom. And we're looking for that. All people, we love our nation, are the greatest nation under the heavens. It wasn't I these, so I get the greatest nation. But I'm glad to be an American, but I'm sorry to see it demoralizing and, and corrupting and going down with vice and the way she's thinking tonight. And that's why we're preaching the gospel and trying everything that we can to sane out every soul that God would have saved before the great climax comes. That's our reason of being here tonight. There will come a time when there won't be any Charlotte. There won't, won't be one stone left upon another. There'll be a time that these hills will shake and crumble. But you'll be somewhere. And tonight may be time for you to decide where you'll be at that time. You're free moral agent. You can make your decision. And now, on the ministry that I introduced, now I know this Bible scholar sitting here and perceiving coming in even last night as the smart, intelligent people that I'm speaking to. And the ministry will certainly be a, a difference of what you've ever perhaps looked at the Scripture. And I, I want to get right down to your heart and have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with you. And for the next night or two, perhaps, as I have said that I'm weak in my throat and four months straight without any rest at all and got to go to Alaska immediately after this, then I get a couple weeks of rest before returning back for the big Cato Tabernacle 11,000 just in Indianapolis, Indiana. And after the Christian businessman over in Minneapolis. Now, the first thing I want you to do as to, I want to make myself clear that I don't belong to any denomination of church. And I've got, and by the way, I want to thank this brother, Pearson, or Parson. Uh, I got that wrong yet. Parson. Uh, the other day they had taken up a love offering for me at the end of the meeting. Didn't have to do that. I don't come for love offerings. I come to try to help. But he did. And in there he made me a honorary clergyman of their Society, so I appreciate that if any of his people here to tell him how they didn't know he put it in a little check and he'd give it to my boy, and they gave it to me on my road home. Thank you. I'm very glad that I have that honor. And I have honorary degrees, of course, in many different places, just people 
Yeah, no, although somebody's trying to give me a doctor's degree at the Hindu church in India. Now I said, now, wouldn't that look nice for an old boy raised on black-eyed peas and hominy grits, starred molasses and biscuits to get up there and use such English as I do, such grammar, and then say, Dr. Williams. I said, people are too intelligent for that. See? No, that's there's only one thing I want to know. I'm, one thing I do know, there's a great big black door set before me, and it's before every mortal here and every mortal in the world. Every time our heart beats, we get one closer to it, and that's death. And when I get to the end, when my heart's making its last beat, I don't want to come there as a coward or a deceiver. I want to come there with this one thought in my mind. I know him in the power of his resurrection, that when he calls out, I'll come from among the dead. That's the one, my one alternative, is to know him in the power of his resurrection. Now, this is his word, and we want to approach it. There's just anybody that's able to open it up like this can open it. But there's only one who can really open it, and that's Christ, the Holy Spirit. It was written by several different men. That through ages and every bit of it dovetailed together, not one contradiction in the Word. Not one. And it's all given by inspiration. Therefore, there's no man able to open the book or to loose the seal there only John saw it in the Revelation, but one that had been slain from the foundation of the world, the Lamb, come and took it out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne and was worthy to take the book and to loose the seals and to open it. And let's speak to him tonight before we try to open his book and ask him if he'll open it to us, the author, the Lord Jesus, while we bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we thank thee tonight for first for this place that we have to worship the beloved Lord Jesus. And we come to thee in his name, asking favors, Lord. We're constantly asking because we're walking in a dismal, dark world full of sin and trouble, lying, deceiving spirits everywhere, as you predicted that would be in the last days. And we come humbly, reverently before thee to ask for mercy and guidance and grace. We thank thee for the brother Jeffers here and for all the ministers that's present, the shepherds, over the flock where the Holy Spirit has given them the overseer job. Now I pray that somehow tonight, dear God, that you'll get right down deep into their hearts. Reveal yourself in a new and living way to them, each one. Bless their ministry. May they become a greater shepherd and have more sheep to watch over. Granted, Father, Bless all the laity here, your beloved chief of the pastors. Every church that's represented, we pray, God, that a great revival will break out in each one. And all together, the lovely one will come to every denomination. May there be a sweeping revival across this country this coming year that will shake the other nations. Grant it, Lord. Start it right here. Won't you find it? Begin here in Charlotte tonight with an old-fashioned revival in every church. May this weekend find churches just filled full of people, sinners weeping their way up to Calvary, repenting and great signs and wonders appearing. 
I opened the book to us. It may be in a new way, in a light of the gospel, for we ask this in his name who said, If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Thy beloved child, the Lord Jesus. Amen. In the book of the Gospel according to St. John, and beginning at the twelfth at the twelfth chapter, and the twentieth and twenty-first verses, I wish to read this little the text here, and may God give us the context from it, that in doing so that he'll bless his word. We know this, if we read his word, it will not return void. It will accomplish that which it was purposed for. There were certain Greeks among them. They came up to worship at the feast. And the same therefore came to Philip, which was of Bethesda of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. May the Lord add his blessings to that word. And for, our con- for the text tonight, we would use Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, let's try to be just as reverent and listen and pray as we approach these things. Now, in the, the Word of God, many times we set our, our rules and regulations of just certain things that's to take place, and if it happens contrary to the way that we think it should be, then we say it's not right. Now, brethren and friends of Christ, did you know that the reason the Jews in the first coming of the Lord Jesus failed to recognize him because he came contrary to what they had figured out of him coming? They expected a Messiah to be different, but he come exactly according to the Scripture. But it wasn't according to their theology, their teaching. And you know, I believe if he would come tonight, it would be altogether different than what we've got to figure out, and he'll come. He always seems to do it, but get it straight with the Scripture. See, they was expecting him coming in his second coming, his great power, which then he will come for them and for us. But we know in his first coming, he was to come lowly, riding on a mule, coming in the city, and how even his disciples didn't understand that. And how it is tonight that sometimes things happen, and if it doesn't just equal up to what our church teaches, then we want to throw it out and say there's nothing to it. But, you know, the thing we ought to do sensibly is to look at it in the light of the Scripture. Now, I believe that every Bible teaching or every church and every revelation, listen, everything must be built on this Word. If anybody teaches anything contrary to the Word, I would believe it. See? This Bible is God's foundation. There's no other foundation can be laid but that which is already laid. Christ Jesus. Now, knowing here with Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Nazarene, Catholic, and all mixed together, and each one is saying, well, now my church teaches this, that's fine, we're so happy for that, and, but let's look at us and see by the, the Word of God 
just what it teaches for this day, for a message for this day. Each one of us are familiar with our church doctrine. Well, now, that's very good. I appreciate you, Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, and all your doctrine. I appreciate that. That's fine. I, I believe that, too. Every bit of it. I believe everything you teach from the Scripture is right. But now, in the Old Testament, there were three ways of knowing a message. The first, it was the law. The second, it was a prophet. And the third was a dreamer. And then they had a way of proving that whether it was just exactly right or not. Now, in the Aaronic or Levitical priesthood, on Aaron's breast, plate has twelve stones. And it's not exactly uh, known by the scholars whether it was a reflection of the twelve stones together or a certain sacred light that when a prophet prophesied or a dreamer told a dream or whatever it was, and these supernatural lights didn't flash on this what was called Urim Sundom. And if this supernatural light didn't flash give witness to that, well, then it was wrong. No matter how true the prophet was or how real the dreamer was or whatever the revelation was, it had to be witnessed by the Urim Thundam. If it wasn't, it wasn't true. Any scriptural uh, scholar knows that. Now, in the Aaronic priesthood or the Levitical priesthood, that priesthood was done away with and the Urim Thundam of that time ceased. But in this new priesthood, the Bible is God's Urim Thundam. And if a revelation comes, a prophet prophesies, a church is established, a doctrine is made, and it don't flesh on the Bible, then it's wrong. This is God's Urim Thundam. We must listen to the Word. I'm just old-fashioned enough to believe that that Bible is written by inspiration. And I believe every word of it is God's living word. And you can trust your eternal destination on any word that's written in the Bible. Now, the thought comes this. If God, if we believe, I want to know how many here first believe that Jesus Christ was and is the Son of God. Let's see your hand. Thank you. How many believe that he has risen from the dead? Let's see your hand. Now, surely, if I was risen from the dead, was then died, and it rose again, I would be visible. I would be to a place that you know I was here. And if Jesus has risen from the dead, surely there ought to be some way that we would know that he had raised from the dead. Here, as I said a few weeks ago or a few days ago, down to Spindale, the great Mr. Reedhead, vice president and president one of the great Sudan missions, the, uh, the fundamental missions, one of the greatest in the world. He was conquered by Muhammad at giving that question. And said, if he has risen from the dead, where is he? Prove it to we Muhammad. But until you prove it, then he's in the grave just like Muhammad is. And Dr. Reed had tried to give him all the scripture and everything. He said, but look, see, said Muhammad only promised life after death. And said, your Jesus promised that you teachers would do the same thing he done. Said, 
with his promise. And I want to show you the little loophole that Dr. Reed had tried to squeeze through. He said, you, I suppose you mean Mark 16, where he said, uh, go into all the world, preach the gospel, these signs shall follow them that believe, heal the sick and perform signs. Yes, that's one of them, he said. He said, but sir, you see, we better scholars of the scriptures, we learn that Mark, the 16th chapter from the ninth verse on, is not inspired. It was just added. And old Hama stood and said, Kind sir, what kind of a Bible do you read? But a part of it's inspired and the rest of it's not inspired. Then I'll let you know that all the Koran's inspired. What a disgrace to Christianity. This is all inspired too. I don't believe the Koran is inspired. I believe this is the only inspired book there is in the world. And every promise in it is true. If I can't meet the issue, I'll say that I haven't got faith enough to do it, but yet his word is true. Like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and our God's able to deliver us from these despised prayers, but nevertheless, we wouldn't bow to the image. That is true. The Bible is God's inspired word. Now, these Greeks come with a question that I believe that every human being, since Jesus was crucified, that had any touch or feeling towards God, would ask the same question that they asked there. Sir, we would see Jesus. I believe that's the life or the desire of every Christian. And I believe that's the desire of every person here tonight. Is it? Let's see your hand. Sirs, we would see Jesus. Now, this, to me, and to the believer, any believer, this is either the truth or it is not the truth. It's either right or it's not right. And if it wasn't the truth, I would be somewhere else tonight besides here. I would be here, if I was against him, I'd, I'd be preaching against him, I'd be saying against him. But I believe him, and I believe he's, he's the Son of God, I believe he's raised from the dead. I'm for him and ready to die for him. Because it's the truth. And I know beyond one shadow of doubt that this is the gospel and it's the truth. And by God's grace, I can prove that it's the truth. And now... What we want to look at then, if Jesus has raised from the dead, can we see him? Sir, we would see Jesus. Now, there's only one way to do it, and that's go and see what kind of a person we would look for. If you were going tonight to see Jesus, if Jesus was in Charlotte tonight, what type of man would you look for? Would you go and look for some fellow that was way up in some great high cathedral with real priestly-looking clothes on, walk out, would that be the kind of Jesus you was looking for? If it is, he has certainly changed since he was here on earth the last time. For he dressed just like ordinary man. He went in among man, in and out among man, and they didn't even know him because he looked so common like other men. There was nothing any conspicuous about the Lord Jesus to look at him. He would do a certain thing that's the only way he didn't know him, by his miracles and the sign that he did. Only rose from him after his resurrection. You see? Cleopius and his friend was walking with him after his resurrection. 
he done a certain thing like he used to do before he was crucified, they recognized it to be him. You see it? Notice. He was not a man of great dwelling uh, vocabulary or words. He didn't overdo the thing. And I'm going to give you a little between the lines, if you can receive it. Scholars of theirs all turned around, this Greek word means this and that word means that. You know why? They are trying to make the Bible to the half beard of the Greek or the Hebrew when Jesus didn't speak his words big like that. The Bible said the common people heard that. We're supposed to speak English. And when I went to England, uh, that I need to interpret their words than anywhere I ever went in my life. I got with those Cockneys and Oxford group, and I, I was talking way down here to the throat. I, I couldn't understand what they were saying. The man trying to tell me how to go to the Abbey. I, I, I didn't need to interpret her. You see, there's so much difference, even between the North and South here in America. I called from Houston, Texas, to up in New York, and the little Southern girl with her talk, and the Northern girl with her talk, they had to break it up somewhere between here and get somebody to interpret for them. Right here in America. Sure, they couldn't understand each other. And Jesus talked with such simple language with the simple people, and was written likewise, and they're trying to put those great, big, swelling, outstanding, hold on for dear life, as I call it, words in it, and they miss it. So it was wrote simple. Christ! So simple as it was to bring the gospel to the poor and Amen. That's what makes him great to me. But God sticks his chest out and thinks he's somebody. That shows how little he is to me. That's right. The more simpler you can get, the higher God will raise just be simple. That's what's the matter with the American people. That's the reason we can have a service in Africa, India, and tens of thousands will be healed at once. But oh, we got it all figured out. Doctor Jones, or uh, is a Doctor Jones for him, brother. But he said it was this, and other doctors so and so said that it was mental telepathy. This that's the reason you can't get nowhere. See, it's all you make it so complicated when the gospel is so simple. It's just believing. Christ said, so that's mine. He gave it to me. I take him at his word. Now that's how, how simple it is. So we wouldn't look for a fellow that looked like that he had taught Mr. Webster then. He wouldn't be a man that was so full of great words. He wouldn't dress any different. He'd be a, what kind, he wouldn't be up with a classic. Oh, he said, yes, he would. Well, if he has, then he isn't the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8 said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he dressed different today like a priest or a rabbi, then he wouldn't be the same. If he used great swelling words today like the scholars, I'm not degrading education. I'm trying to get to a people. Look sitting in this pit here. Look out in there, sick people. I'm trying to get to where they can see how simple it is. You're trying to look for something way off and try to educate yourself to it. When it's right here, you're step right over the top of it. See? You don't, you don't know God by education. You know God by faith. There was two trees in the Garden of Eden. One of them was the tree of knowledge. One was the tree of life. As long as man eats from this tree, he lives. 
But when he left his tree, he bit his front back. Oh, there he separated himself from his maker. And he's been fighting on it ever since. And we gave a brought over and put it in church. You got to have a, so many degrees, or you have to say, oh, man, a certain way, or you can't get to the platform. You have to have your, all your papers and everything to show what, what creed you're with and so forth before you can even come into a church almost. See how they got it? The devil's done that. Exactly right. Now, well, what's the lovely Jesus? That's the one we're looking at tonight. Now, we see that he wasn't, he didn't go up in the classics. He was very humble. He didn't, what kind of a person was he? The Bible said there's no beauty we should desire. He was 30 years old and passed for 50. He probably is not a great big seven-footer with shoulders like barn doors. He wasn't that type. That's the type that they call a beautiful or handsome man like Saul with his big seven-foot-something taller. But he was a, probably a little bitty fellow. He said, I'm no man, a worm. See? But now, now Jesus himself, when he was crucified and put in the grave, he, he rose on the third day. God raised him up and set him on the right hand of his majesty on high and sent back the Holy Spirit, which is to represent him in the same way that he was here on earth until he comes again. That spirit was given to the church. Now let's trace his life just a little bit to see what, if you say, sirs, we would see Jesus. Let's go see what he, let's go back and see what he was. And I want to ask you now, what he was then, he's got to be the same today. What his ministry was then, if the Holy Spirit brings his ministry today as it is then, then it's got to be the same type of ministry. And if a man professes to be a Christian, has got to live that same Christ-like life. If the Spirit of Christ is in you, it will certainly do the, the same work that Christ did. What if I told you tonight that the Spirit of John Dillinger was in me? Well, you look for big guns and how did a dangerous person to stand before? What if I told you the Spirit of some famous artist was in me? Do you expect me out there to paint these hills and scenes and white clouds over these many states here just like the artist would do if his Spirit was in me? Is that true? If uh, I told you the Spirit of Christ is in me, then the Spirit of Christ has to operate the same way that it did in Christ. If it isn't, then the Spirit of Christ doesn't leave me. I'm led by some other spirit. But if the Spirit of Christ is in you, then you're Christ-like. You become Christ's disciples. And that's where people today look upon different emotions of shouting and, and joining church and things like that to take the place of education, a denomination, or something on that sort to take the place of Christianity. It'll never take the place. It can't do it. It's a Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, notice, let's follow Jesus in his life's journey and find out how you get your pencils and papers. We'll probably go into it in detail for each night. But if the Lord leaves, but let's go into the life of Jesus Christ and find out the type of person he was then, what type of person he was then, he'll have to be the same today if he has raised from the dead. That ought to be clear enough that any of us would understand. Now, let's go back to the 
virgin birth, conceived by the Holy Ghost in the wombs of the Virgin Mary, and came forth as a child, and was of uh, age of twelve we find him at the temple. At the age of thirty we find him being baptized at the Jordan by John. And he stood right among them and they didn't know it. God said there's one standing among you now that you don't know who is prepared for me. He's right among you, and his shoes, I'm not even worthy to lose. You call me a prophet, but I'm not worthy to lose his shoes. There's the Jesus standing there, but the sign hadn't come yet. And one day John looked up, and he saw a light, like a dove, coming down. John said, I didn't know him, but he in the wilderness said, upon whom you see the signs of sinning, that's the one that will baptize of the Holy Ghost and fire. John said, why come thou unto me? I have need to come to you. When the Messiah sign was shown to the first person outside of his, the shepherds and the Magi's was John the Baptist. He saw this boy after John going into the wilderness at the age of nine years old. Never went off to some seminary now. He went to pray and come out of the wilderness. Glory, look, and saw a piece of sheepskin wrapped around him with a leather camel skin belt on, throws over his face, and probably if he come to your door begging you, call the police on him. Come stomping out of the wilderness, but preach, repent, for us throw all the reasons. Amen. Lord, and he gets in. I don't know who he is, but there's one among you somewhere. I'm not worthy to bear his shoes. I couldn't unloose his shoes. He's standing here. Look what a great instant that was. All the prophets all the way back from the Garden of Eden had spoken of this event. The Bible said that the mountains would skip like little rams. All the leaves would clap their hands. And all the high places would be brought low and the low places would be brought high and the rough places made plain. Look what that huge look for. Look how simply come. Amen. What happened? It looked like there'd be a host of angels come down in golden chairs packing someone along. But it wasn't. That's where they were fooled. Of what man calls great, God calls foolish. And what man calls great, God calls foolish, what God calls great, man calls foolish. What kind of an operation would this be? You're an old birdie, not a rabbi, not a priest, but an old woodsman with a piece of sheepskin girl around him with a stick in his hand stomped out there on the wilderness banks out there in Jordan and preached repentance. And they stood in the muddy banks of the Jordan. Where was the mountain skipping? Like little rams and leaves clapping their hands. We'll try to catch that a little later this week. I'll show you in the scripture what happened. But he said there's one among you. One thing I don't know him yet. But when he saw a sign, a light coming from heaven, circling down in the form of a dove, and at one point John said, That's him. That's him. I knew him because there was a sign over him. John greatly testified, I knew him not. But he that said to me in the wilderness, go baptize the water, set up on whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remain. That's the one that will baptize the Holy Ghost. He knew him by the 
before. And he said, now, could there be any good thing come out of Nazareth? And he gave me the best answer any man could give. He said, come and see. That's the best thing to do. Say, come see. That's the best way to find out. Come place your own judgment. And God will judge you. Whatever your judgment is. If you're righteous, then he'll judge you righteous. If you're great, then more unto you. But notice that when he comes, he comes to find out, he comes with Nathaniel. He and Nathaniel Philip comes together several miles around the mountain. Jesus is holding the prayer line, praying. And Nathaniel came up to him in the prayer line for the first time he see. And Jesus looked at him and said, Behold an Israelite, in whom there is no guile. How many ever read that in the Bible? Let's see your Sure. Now, if I say today you're a Christian, a staunch, real believer, and it's right for little fellow, he said, Now, Rabbi, or teacher, Reverend, whatever you want to call it, when did you know me? Now, you never seen me in your life. And here you are. you ready? Read what Jesus said, St. John 5, 19. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Verily means absolutely. Verily, verily, I say unto you. The Son can do nothing in himself. But what he sees the Father doing, that does the Son likewise. How many know that's the Scripture? What did he say then? I do nothing until first the Father shows me a vision on what to do, then I do just what he tells me to do. Listen, dearly, dearly, I say unto you, why don't you go down there and heal all that bunch? Why don't you do this and why don't you do that? He said, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself. For what he sees the Father doing, that to the Son likewise. The Father worketh and I worketh hitherto. That's everything. Then, if Jesus, when he was here on earth, he said, He that believeth on me, St. John the 12th chapter, and the 14th verse, I believe it is, he said, He that believeth on me, the rest that I do shall he do also. More than this shall he do, for I go unto my Father. Jesus said, A little while, and the world, that's the world's order, the world will see me no more. Yet ye shall see me, for I, I the person, ground. I will be with you to the end of the world. I'll even be in you to the end of the world. With me even in you. And these things that I do, shall you do also. And when the disciples came forth, they did the same thing. Paul was shipwrecked, or not shipwrecked, yet he was out in the sea in 14 days and nights, no moon, stars, or nothing, all hopes was gone, never be saved. And he went out in a boat and was praying, he come up and said, Be of a good courage, for the angel of God, whose servant I am, stood by me and said, Don't fear, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, where all God gives all these to stay with you to you. But the ship's going to be wrecked upon a circle island. He saw the vision and said, Wherefore, I believe God will be just as he showed me. He don't know how far from the sheep come down and carry to go to the Gentiles. When Saul was sick and blind, when he saw that angel of God in the form of a light, and he said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. He was a light that followed the children of Israel. He said, I come from God, I go back to God. And he said, I, I'm Jesus who you persecute. What was the light? St. Peter of God. But they 
down there, a prophet, or praying, and when he did, he looked at a vision, and he saw him just exactly where he come, and went down and found him, and sat, told him exactly what happened on the road. He laid his hands on him, and he received his life and filled the Holy Ghost. Is that right? Notice, if Jesus did those things in that day, and he has raised from the dead, and he is the same yesterday, today, forever, he's obligated to his word. Now, his corporal body sits at the right hand of God. You believe that, don't you? But the Holy Spirit is just working through your sanctified vessel. And God has said in the church what? First apostles, then prophets, then teachers, then evangelists, then pastors. Is that right? For the perfecting of the church. God has did it. It's not the preacher that preaches, it's God preaching to him. It's not the prophet that sees the vision, it's God preaching to him. I do nothing except the, the Father shows me first what to do. That's the reason he had to go up to the mirror. That's why all these other things taken place. Follow his eyes and see if that is nice. Now, our time is way past. But we want to call for some sick to be prayed for. Brethren, I say this and declare this as your brother in Christ. What motives have I got here tonight? What's my business here? Why am I here in Charlotte now? I come to try to encourage you to believe on the Lord Jesus. I come to help you Baptists, you Methodists, you Pentecostal, and you Nazarenes, and every one of you, I come to help you. I come to say this, that for Jesus, if you have been worshiping, it's not some creator form. He's a living Jesus. He's with us. I'll be with you, in you, to the end of the world. And the things that I do shall you do also. He's got to keep that word. If that isn't true, then the Bible isn't true. If the Bible isn't true, then Christ did not raise the dead. Jesus, the one who claimed to be Christ, was still in the grave. But thanks be to God, he's living tonight. He's here in Charlotte right now. He's omnipotent, omnipresent, omnipotent, infinite. He's everywhere, all the time, every place. Satan can't do that. Well, God's the only one who's omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent. He's everywhere. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'll see you there with Let them ask anything. In my name, I'll do it. That's right or it's wrong. If that's right, then the Bible's right. If that's wrong, then the Bible's wrong. But if Christ promised to do these things and will come into this audience tonight and do the same thing, mimic his life right back again the way he did when you believe that he was raised from the dead, will accept him as your Savior and healer. Will you do it? Raise your hands everywhere if you will. Anywhere? I don't say that he will. I've served him now 23 years. I've been in the ministry of this time since he called me. It would have been since I was two, three, four, five years old. But I didn't know it. My people wasn't religious. They didn't go to church. And so I would have known it quicker if I were to stay ahead of him. So you raise your child to serve the Lord and to know what God is calling. Then when I got with the church, they told me it was of the devil. And I scared me to death. Well, then when he came and told me, when he met me that night, and I said, well, my ministering brothers, he said, yes, that's the way they did it in the first place. That when they was arguing what kind of buttons must be on their coat, there was a maid guys now out there worshiping him. And when... When Jesus came, the ministers of that day, the preachers, said he is the elder of the devil, and the devil turned around and said, I know who you are, you're the son of God. That devil knows more about it than preachers did. Hasn't changed too much. 
when it comes to supernatural. And now when Paul and Silas come down, that little fortune teller, the ministers up there, said, these men turned the world upside down. They're, they're imposters. They're terrible people, said the preachers and all the church. Get them out of the country. Well, this man ought to die. Well, they beat him and put him in the jail and everything. The preachers had that done. But when this little fortune teller, when she seen him, she said, well, these are the men of God who tell us the way of life. And Paul turned around and he gives that spirit. He didn't need any help from the devil. That's right. But the little fortune teller knows more about it than all those orthodox preachers. Right? Because she was more subject to spirit. She was a perverted. That's all. What is a fortune teller? A perverted Christian. You're all born to be sons and daughters of God, but if you want to give yourself to drinking or the world or any kind of deviations and things like that, that's, that's up to you. Use it for the devil.
Does anybody get out there and on over here? Where, who get them out? Where's he at? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Why'd you get out? Uh, from 1 to 50. All right. Who has prayer card number 1? Raise up your hand. Just look at it just a little. Prayer card. We, just a lot. We haven't got one. Just this little square card. It's got my picture on one side. On the next, it's got a, a number. Number 1? Raise up your hand. Prayer card number 1? No. Listen. I remember your time. May I say this now? That prayer card is inexchangeable. You have to come here and get your prayer card for yourself. Now, take it out. Every person comes up, come here and get your prayer card. See? And get here is the building. Come here and hear the instructions the minister gives before I come. And that's where you get your prayer card. Now, of course, if you're called and your number is not... Number one? You said one to fifty, isn't it? Uh, number one is here. Number two? Let's see. Yeah, all right. I guess number one is one out there. All right. What are you bringing to you? Are you over that way? Over that way, you go bring them. All right. Bring them through the hall or any way you want you to throw there. If there, anyone's crippled and can't put up now, when your number's called, we'll have the ushers to pack you up here. See? All right. Number one, number two, number three. Anybody got prayer card number three? Would you raise your hand? I can't see the balcony too well. Anybody got prayer card three? Would you raise up your hand? Is this lady number four? Prayer card number four, would you raise your... Way back there, I'm sorry, come out of the... Uh, is it a lady? All right. All right. If we've never seen each other before, just raise up your hand. I've never seen you. I don't know the woman, never seen her. She just said, just standing here, that's all. Now, this is a very beautiful picture to start tonight of a repeat of a scripture. And the third chapter of St. John. A man and a woman met for the first time at a well. One was a Samaritan, and the other was a Jew. And Jesus went to talking to the woman until he found where her trouble was. And he told her what her trouble was. And she recognized it to be the Messiah. Now, if he's raised from the dead, we can do the same thing. Now, the only thing that I knew about this meeting, I felt led to accept it. I didn't ask who was sponsoring or nothing about it. I don't know who was sponsoring, just a little... You a meeting here just to get acquainted with you, Carolina people. And let him listen to that person meet this man. I didn't know where it's going to be. We come to this auditorium. That's all I know. I'm here. This is my first person tonight. That's all I know. I was born miles away from this woman, and I've never seen her. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who shares his spirit thoughts. Now, if he will, he can, if I can hear him out there, him by a divine gift, then this woman can... They have a repeat of that very letter. Is that right? Just a minute. And may the Lord grant it, and all of his promise you would believe and accept it. May the Lord grant it as I talk to the woman. Now, uh, lady, and not knowing you, and never met you, and never knowing who you are, and I think, then there has to be some way that I have to know if I know why you're here for. I wouldn't have any idea. You're just a woman. And standing there, I wouldn't have any idea why you're here. But you want something, or you may be here as a critic. If you have, you just watch what takes place. See, but that I said, uh, you might be. See, I remember you wasn't. I never read more. See? But uh, if, if it is, just watch. See? You'll find out. Now, but you being a Christian, no, 
I don't. But you're conscious that there's something besides just me here. There's something besides me. I want this audience to wrap the expression on each person's face and the angel of the Lord comes near us. A woman's aware that something's going on. It's not a brother makes her feel that way. Lying between me and the woman is this same pillar of fire you see right here. Is that between us now? Now, she, being a woman, be a man, not knowing her, never seen her, then God will have to reveal to me something. Now, if she wants healing, if it's sickness, or if it's finance, whatever she's here for, I don't know. But whatever it is, it was already purchased, and whatsoever she wanted, it was purchased to Calvary. The only thing he could do if he was wearing this sister, he gave me. The only thing he could do would be do the same thing you done back there. That's right. And now, if the, if the lady will be the Bible friend with mercy, I pray that he will. I don't say that he will. But no, he will. I trust him. She's promised to receive you. You all promised to receive him. And now as a woman, if the man operating the microphone still catching my back, she's moving away from me. The woman is bothered. I feel with a severe nervous condition as she's walking and the way she grips her hands and she's extremely nervous. And another thing is with the woman, she's got a sinus trouble up here in her face. Raise your hand if that's true. Do you believe? 
in the name of Jesus Christ, that you will receive the desire of your heart. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. God bless you, sister. There are turns right around you now. So if you're healed, you can go on your room rejoicing and thank the Lord. God bless you, sister. You believe? The only thing we have to do is have faith in God. Sister, say you're on the end of the when you're at rupture, you think God would heal you with that rupture and make you well? If you believe this, you could receive it. It's up to you whether you want to accept it or not. You believe? With all your heart? That didn't please the Holy Spirit, that's right? The man lost his tears, see? Just a moment. You got to respond to them. It left me. See, it went to the audience. I called a man and he didn't catch it. See, you must respond. Just as soon as he calls you, God don't want your anger, he wants you answering. See, be reverent. There's someone else in the audience that's praying. It's a dark, shadowed condition. Here it is standing before me here. It's a woman. She's upset about something. Look to me like you can see that light hanging there. Here it comes. So this lady sitting here with a little brown-looking dress. Yeah, she's worried about cancer. Hearing about it. That is right, isn't it, lady? That's right, raise up your hand. A little lady there, a brown dress right there. All right, lady? Don't you fear, he healed you that cancer just saying, you're faint touching, and now you're well. Have faith in God. And down. If you can, what did she do? I ask for any of you to pray. You were praying with me, lady. That's right. That's right. See? I have faith. What about you up in the balcony? Are you believing? I ask any of you. If I be the servant of God and I tell the truth about God, God's got to honor the words that I tell. I spoke of him, now he's speaking back to me, through me, that I told you the truth. If you can only believe. Have faith with this way to rest, I believe it with all my heart. Just believe it. Watch. As your faith moves, so does the Holy Spirit.
He that eat a fat can live already. Sin isn't drinking, committing adultery. That isn't sin. That's the attributes of sin. You do that because you're an unbeliever. Believers don't do that. Now, if God will speak to the lady, she's just for some cause, I don't know. But if he will tell her, why? Will every one of you accept Jesus right now as your healer, let us tell her? If a woman will raise her hand, that I don't know her, nothing about her. Is that right, lady? Nothing about her. Um, I've been four months in service, and it just weakens me, so I don't like to go too far. And the men are standing around me to get me just at any time. And now the lady is standing before me. I don't know her. But I still have the spirit about something. Yes. I see her going into a place that's a clinic or a hospital. Something on that order. And she, there's something wrong with her. It's in her esophagus. It's in the, here she, her food won't swallow down. There seems to be nothing can happen.
Thank you. 